Welcome to Kidney Commute, brought to you by the National Kidney Foundation, driven by the interprofessional team with emphasis on the patient voice. In each episode, we will incorporate the perspectives of the different members of the kidney team as well as the patient. Join our huddle on all things kidney health and allow new perspectives to inspire collaboration in your practice. Eligible listeners can earn credit along the way. The Kidney Commute, a continuing education podcast planned by the team for the team. Hello, and welcome to The Kidney Commute, an interprofessional podcast brought to you by the National Kidney Foundation. My name is Dory Minch, a transplant social worker at Wake Forest Baptist Hospital, and it is my pleasure to be leading today's discussion about travel and holidays for dialysis patients. Having a chronic illness can be difficult for anyone, and having a chronic illness that requires pre-planning for travel to obtain three times or more weekly dialysis sessions, diet and fluid restrictions with family to consider can be taxing not only physically, but emotionally. In this episode, you will gain insight into the patient experience of planning around the holidays and the interprofessional team's insight into the best education you can provide for your patients for the best holiday outcomes. Joining me today is this uniquely qualified interprofessional team to discuss this topic, and I'm going to pass it to them to introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Osama Al-Shami. I'm a nephrologist at Vanderbilt University Medical Center, and happy to be here. My name is Jessa Ingleken. I am a registered dietitian with the UW Transplant Clinic um, in Madison, Wisconsin, and I see a lot of patients that are in need of a kidney transplant, both with chronic kidney disease and with end-stage renal disease that are on dialysis. I'm Joyce Virgili. I'm a renal dietitian at Health Alliance of the Hudson Valley Dialysis Center in Kingston, New York. Hi, my name is Malini Alvarez. I am an in-center patient in Queens, New York. Malini, let's start with you. Can you tell us a little bit about what it's like to have to plan to travel for the holidays? Well, it's kind of stressful, but you'll get used to it after a couple of years. You have to plan. You have to make sure that you know where you're going to eat, how what you're going to eat, and how it's going to be prepared. In my experience as a dialysis social worker, I remember the holidays being um, especially stressful in the unit. Not only are there schedule changes to accommodate the actual holiday itself, but also working in the process of obtaining chairs and locations for patients that want to travel, and, and we call that going transient. And so the process for that can take upwards of 30 to 60 days, especially during the holiday, because you want to get your request in first. There are certain labs that need to be drawn, and patients just have a really hard time having to pre-plan. It's, it's a big adjustment. As Malini just said, after a couple of years, you get used to it. Well, a patient that's just started dialysis maybe in November, and have plans to travel for the holidays, it may be too late to find a chair. And that's a really difficult conversation to have with patients. And so, Melanie, what about any diet and fluid restrictions that you have to follow? How do you follow and work with your family to organize that or help them to understand? Well, I try to not eat everywhere. I come from a Latino family and they love to feed you. But you have to be very cautious on where you eat who you eating from and make sure they prepare it as well as possible. Like for example, potato salad, you have to make sure that they prepare it without certain seasonings and stuff like that. 
it's hard. You get used to it, but it's, it's hard to adjust. I know that is. And, and I commend all the work that you and your family do to have a successful outcome. Joyce, from a dialysis perspective, what recommendations do you make for your patients around the holidays? Well, following the, all the dietary recommendations for dialysis, which include limiting sodium, potassium, phosphorus, fluid, a whole list of things is challenging any time of year, but it's even more so during the holidays. I will sometimes initiate a discussion about navigating the holidays in terms of food choices and meal planning with my patients, and sometimes my patients will bring it up. If my patients broach the topic, of course, I'll answer their questions and address their concerns. For example, they might want to know if sweet potatoes have less potassium than white potatoes. They don't. Or they might want to know which pie, apple pie or pumpkin pie, is the better choice for them. It's apple. I also offer all patients a printed holiday eating guide that my colleague and I had uh, created a few years ago. And I give them that, that handout, but I also like to briefly verbally review some of the main points in the guide. And these include the fact that the center of many holiday meals is usually meat or poultry, whether it be turkey, pork loin, fresh, meaning uncured ham, beef brisket, that sort of thing, all of which are high in protein and high protein foods are very beneficial for people on dialysis because people on dialysis do have high protein needs. So I like to start off by emphasizing the positive aspects of the meal rather than emphasizing the foods in the quote, avoid or limit category. With regard to meat and poultry though, I do encourage patients to read food labels and make sure they are purchasing items that are truly kidney friendly. In the case of uh, meat and poultry, this means reading food labels and avoiding foods that have the word FOS, P-H-O-S, such as sodium phosphate in the ingredient list because those foods tend to be very high in phosphorus and sodium. I also let my patients know uh, to avoid uh, red flag terms such as enhanced, injected, marinated, brined, and basted. And as you've all said so far, I, I agree, planning ahead is, is truly key. Chances are patients know that they're going to splurge a little bit as we all do during the holidays. So adjusting the breakfast meal to allow for some indulgences later on in the day might be a good strategy. So I recommend eating a high protein breakfast that's low in sodium, phosphorus, and potassium, such as two eggs with toast and an espresso instead of a whole cup of coffee to help limit fluid intake. And I remind them if they are going to someone else's home or to a restaurant before the holiday meal to bring their phosphate binders and to actually maybe take a few extra binders with them if they plan to eat foods that are high in phosphorus like cheese or eggnog. And then I also like to point out that there is quite a long list of kidney-friendly choices in the holiday eating guide. And again, emphasizing foods that are recommended to eat versus those that are probably better to avoid or limit. And this list includes a variety of vegetables like carrots, cauliflower, collard greens, green beans, salad greens, appetizers such as celery with cream cheese, sides such as rice, noodles, homemade stuffing, and cranberry sauce, and desserts such as apple and cherry pie. 
And in reviewing the foods to limit or avoid list, I do show them that even though potatoes and sweet potatoes are on that list, that there are ways to lower the potassium content. Soaking the potatoes overnight, we've learned from more recent research is actually not necessary. What needs to be done, and this is evidence-based, is simply a, a double boil of potatoes or sweet potatoes or any other kind of tuber. And that involves peeling and dicing the potatoes, putting them in twice the amount of water as, as you have potatoes. So if you have four cups of potato using eight cups of water, bringing it to a boil, throwing out that water, dumping out that water, bringing them to a boil again and cooking them until they're done. And this lowers the potassium by about 40%. So while it doesn't exactly make the potatoes a low potassium food, it does allow patients to enjoy moderate portions, say a half a cup of what might be one of their favorite holiday meals. Finally, I encourage patients to make as many dishes from scratch as possible, and this helps to control sodium, which is very important as others have mentioned. So for example, making turkey stuffing from day old bread and low or reduced sodium broth instead of using a stuffing mix can cut the sodium content in half. And I do provide a few recipes to my patients and also let them know websites such as vita.com where they can get more recipes. That's really good information, Joyce. And can you speak just briefly on any consequences our patients may have if these recommendations are not followed? Most people, you know, not just those on dialysis do tend to overeat during the holidays and that's simply a reality. So we are all going to suffer the consequence of unwanted weight gain perhaps. And for somebody who has diabetes, there might be some higher than normal blood glucose values as a result of not strictly following all of the dietary recommendations. But for people on dialysis, dietary indiscretions can also cause high blood potassium as well as fluid overload. And these are the two things that we really worry about the most because both conditions can land the patient in the emergency room or even lead to a hospital admission. And high potassium or hyperkalemia can actually cause cardiac arrest. So of course we want to do everything we can to help our patients enjoy their time with their family and friends and not end up seriously ill or in the hospital. So Jessa, from a transplant perspective, are there any recommendations you can make with holiday meals? Yes. So from a transplant perspective, I often talk with patients about food safety during the holidays. This is especially important for patients who are post-transplant that are on those immunosuppressive medications, but definitely is important for all kidney patients. So I usually like to follow the food safety guidelines from the U.S. government. So foodsafety.gov they have a lot of great resources for food safety, whether it's handouts or websites that can be helpful for healthcare providers to give to their patients and start a discussion with around the holiday season. Many of these follow the clean, separate, cook, and chill guidelines, which is typically what I talk with patients about as well. Um, so for cleaning, making sure surfaces are clean, hands are washed, making sure um, produce is properly washed as well. I also tell people not to wash their meat or poultry. This is a common mistake that people make in the kitchen. It actually contributes to a greater spread of bacteria. 
For the separate guideline, I talk with patients about making sure they're using different cutting boards for produce and raw meat so that there isn't any cross-contamination. I also recommend that they put their raw meat into a separate part of the grocery cart so it's not crossing over with their produce. Keeping things separate in the fridge as well because raw meat can drip down and that's something that we want to avoid. The next thing that I talk with patients about is making sure that they're cooking foods thoroughly, especially their meat, fish, and eggs. And I like to provide them with a reference handout that highlights the different cooking temperatures for each of those things and making sure that they're reheating their leftovers to 165 degrees after taking them out of the refrigerator. I do encourage patients to purchase a meat thermometer. That way they're able to truly tell what the temperature is versus just looking at the food. And then the last thing I talk about is chilling foods. So making sure that their perishable foods are put in the fridge within two hours. This is a common issue I see with a lot of family gatherings where the food is kind of left out on the counter and people are nibbling on it all day, but it's important to get it back into the fridge. And the last thing being um, making sure that they are not thawing meat on the counter. Meat should actually be thawed in the fridge. Leaving it out on the counter puts it at a higher risk for it being in the temperature danger zone. I also encourage patients to jump to the front of the line when they're eating at family gatherings. This helps to prevent spreading germs before everyone else has been touching all of the spoons and utensils and making sure everyone has washed their hands before eating. I also recommend avoiding eating any raw dough or batter because of the raw eggs in that food. One other important item I talk with transplant patients about is watching their sodium intake over the holidays. The more sodium they have, the more fluid retention, the higher risk for fluid overload. So I talk with them about other options for seasonings. So using garlic powder instead of garlic salt or fresh garlic, using black pepper or some of the salt substitutes like Mrs. Dash. We want to make sure that food tastes good, but we also want to make sure that they are watching their fluid retention as well. So for patients who are not yet on dialysis and are watching their protein intake or patients with high phosphorus, plant-based proteins are a good option during the holidays. So trying to focus on beans, making sure to rinse them if they're canned to get rid of that extra salt, trying protein like tofu or tempeh or unsalted nuts and seeds or nut butters are great options as well um, for getting protein, but not too much. And then also avoiding increasing their phosphorus levels to too high of an amount. So we've talked about generalizations of diet and travel restrictions. Jessa, are there any cultural considerations we should be aware of? It's important to remember that patients do come from all walks of life and different cultures, and there are so many different holidays throughout the year, and food is a really important piece that brings people together. So I like to encourage healthcare providers to ask their patients to bring in their menu or their plan for holidays, look at it together and see if there are any places where maybe they could tweak things to make it a little bit healthier for their kidney disease. 
There is a great website from the USDA called Food Data Central, where you can search for different ingredients and recipes, and it gives you a nutrient profile analysis. So you can look together with your patient and see exactly how much sodium or how much phosphorus or potassium. And that's a great opportunity to sit with your patient and think about ways to make their meal a little bit healthier. Osama, from your perspective, what are some challenges in managing patients during the holidays? One of the things that we consider when we're assessing patients during that time, especially, is the weight gain that we see between dialysis sessions. Uh, a lot of times patients drink more fluids, consume more salt, and therefore we tend to see a higher weight gains, sometimes north of three kilograms right, between those sessions for patients. And we also have to assess blood pressures, right, for um, medication noncompliance and increased fluid intake can contribute to, to that. Potassium can also be a problem because they tend to consume more of certain foods that normally they don't consume otherwise during the course of the year. And these are all things that we look into when we're uh, assessing patients. I know from a nutritionist perspective, other things that, that we see and deal with are phosphorus levels, right? Because of the phosphorus content in foods and compliance with the phosphorus binders. But uh, for the most part, from a dialysis perspective, these are the culmination of things that we tend to most often encounter and have to, to deal with. And do you have any recommendations to mitigate these challenges? Normally for patients who we know consumed foods that are higher in potassium, if they're on a three potassium bath, and this is for the in-center dialysis patients, then we dialyze against the two potassium bath. That tends to help mitigate this issue. Now, you can't really do that so much for volume. So if they gained a lot of fluid during that time, we try to maximize the amount of fluid that we're removing, but within an acceptable range for those patients, because removing too much fluid in one session is not safe for patients. So sometimes what we do is we can bring the patient for an additional session that we call an ultrafiltration session, where we just remove fluid without cleaning the blood per se. The other thing that we do is for our patients who are on phosphorus binders, we can tell them to double the dose of their binders during that time because much more than the regular snacking that they do, they tend to eat foods that are higher in phosphorus at that time. Potassium, fluids, phosphorus, that's how we try to mitigate it. And of course, making sure that the patients do not miss their treatments before the holidays and immediately after the holidays, because that's a pivotal time, especially for patients who have a history of noncompliance with their treatments at times. Let's summarize a few takeaway points from today's episode. Encourage your patients to plan in advance. Using resources such as Davida.com and others that are linked in PERC can help to empower your patients and staff to provide accurate information. Pre-planning on the part of providers is important as well to avoid hospitalization. Targeting education to individuals who are known to have hospitalizations around this time of year may prevent the stay. And finally, creating handouts can support your patients to share their dietary needs with family members who are helping to prepare the meal. 
Thank you to all our panel members for their contributions to this important discussion. And to all of our listeners, thank you for joining us on this Ride of the Kidney Commute. Remember, eligible audiences earn CE credit for listening to this episode by clicking the link in the episode description. And if you have any questions or comments for future episodes, please email the team at nkfpodcast at kidney.org. Stay tuned for future huddles. And in the meantime, continue to let new perspectives inspire your practice.